Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Jeremy Nell on today's news talk radio, TNT. Germ Warfare at tntradio.live. That is my email address. Uh, so for those people who spell it wrong, it's Germ Warfare with a J. So not the actual microbe, but germ, because my name is Jeremy, and it's a ha-ha play on words. I, for those who are wondering, I was called germ uh, right throughout school, so it kind of just stuck. Maybe it's because of my contagious personality. Oh, man. Am I starting the day with such terrible dad jokes? My, my apologies. Okay. Jump into the live chat. Say hi. Uh, if you're watching via YouTube or Rumble or wherever, Hi. Uh, as always, let me know where in the world you are watching or listening from. I always enjoy that part. And uh, you'll be with me and Alex and Joel for the next hour. And, of course, my guest, Doc Malik. Let's do this, Alex. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. Getting straight to the facts. Enough with the lies. We need facts. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It's been a while, Doc Malik. Thank you for joining me in the trenches. It's all right. I can't remember. When was the last time I, I was on your show? That was a few months ago. Yeah. I love the fact you have to explain to people why it's called germ warfare. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> like, like I'm going to spell it out. Here we go. This is why. And um, yeah, I have to also do the same thing. It's not it's not Ahmad Malik, just Ahmad Malik. And if it's too much, just call me, <laughs> just call me Doc. But, Doc, will find. But Doc will be fine. The thing is, though, is that... Sometimes you do have to explain these things to people. I think before the whole COVID era, I wouldn't have had to have spelled it out. But now when you say germ, you know, it conjures up all sorts of emotions. Yeah. Yeah. I think we need to, we need to get a vaccine out against you, against germ. <laughs> vaccine to treat germ germs. Yeah, it's not good. How are <laughs> you, my friend? To- Happy New Year. All the best for 2024. Dude, Happy New Year indeedy. I mean, I'll be honest with you, even though I'm from Scotland and New Year's is a big thing and Hogmanay, I've never been a New Year's person. I'm more of a Christmas person. Mm. I love Christmas. Um, but yeah, New Year's, New Year's are interesting, aren't they? I mean, this time last year, did I think that my you know, 25-year surgical career would be coming to an end and I would now be a professional podcaster and a medical outcast <laughs> and a dissident <laughs> and a freedom fighter? And then Andrew Wakefield 2.0. No, that, I mean, someone said all that to me this time last year. I would have pissed myself laughing. Uh, but here we go. So I don't know what's going to be happening this time next year. I mean, it's, we live in a, do you not think we just live in a crazy world? Like where literally mm. the next week, you just don't know what the frack is around the corner. So tell me a little bit about that. What happened? Um. So about a year ago, I went viral when I said, look, we need to we need to halt these shots. Something weird is happening. I've been kind of in the public arena when I was standing against the mandates. But, um, you know, I, I went back to my kind of day job after the mandates were overturned here in the UK. And I was like, then it got to a point where I was like, something weird is going on. I mean, all my colleagues are talking about these weird and fantastic side effects and complications they're seeing and they think it's all the shots. And I'm seeing it as well. And I, I was struck by how, you know, there's 280,000 doctors in the UK and no one's talking about it. It's like, what the hell's happened here? Why can't we talk about this? And I literally just did a video one day on Twitter. Hey, we should, we should maybe stop this experiment and see what's going on and question the safety of it because something's not right. And within 12 hours, 24 hours, two of the hospitals that I was working from, their national, you know, management medical directors contacted me with almost identical legal kind of like letters saying, stop, you do this again. We're we're going to review whether you can work with us or not. And I was like, whoa, because I mean, if you, if you said, Hey, I can see some problem. You would expect the normal reaction being, Hey, what, what is the problem? Yeah. Maybe we'll have a look at it as well. You don't expect someone to say, don't ever talk about this again. That's just a weird thing because like patient safety is about openness and transparency and investigation, having curiosity mm. and having a scientific mind. And I thought it was better to be 
vocal and wrong than silent and right. Okay. Um, but apparently that's not the case. Um, so they told me to stop and I, I said no, because I think that's bullying and that's wrong and it goes against medical ethics. And then what happened was a little game of cat and mouse, you know, just emails backwards and forwards and, you know, you need to come up for an investigation. You need to have a meeting. You need to, you need to justify, you know, respond to this allegation. I'd, I'd be like, well, here's 10 questions back to you. And they would never respond to my questions. They would insist that I answer their questions, but they would never respond to my questions. Like, what is it I've said that's wrong? Isn't it patient safety to raise a concern? Shouldn't we be investigating this? You know, all that kind of stuff, but they would never respond. Anyway, then I got referred to the GMC because apparently I'm transphobic, which is nonsense. I actually care about people who, you know, are not happy with their body. I think that's desperately sad. And I think these people need to be protected and helped. But, you know, the reality is the hospitals now were on a footing where they were looking for any reason to get me. And they were struggling because I've got an excellent clinical record. Patients love me. And then they, the GMC said, no, there's nothing to answer here. Um, and then the hospitals tried other means and, you know, breach of technicalities and whatever, just ridiculous things they're pulling me up on. And then I got suspended and kicked out of one hospital. And then I had a, a podcast guest on my Instagram account and I did a short clip. And, you know, when you make clips, anyone who doesn't know listening, you know, clip, a short is basically a little teaser of a podcast trying to get someone to hook in to listen to the full episode. And it's, it's a, normally a juicy part. I mean, you don't put a boring part of, an, of a podcast up there to get people's attention. And so this lady was talking about her time in the occupied territories. And what happened was someone complained in one of the hospitals and they suspended me and investigated me. And, you know, and, and that was it. You know, I'm, I can't practice. I mean, the main hospital that suspended me, that was 80% my practice. And you need to earn about 50% to cover your overheads. So I was losing money for three, four months. And then I just got financially crippled, like kneecapped. You know, and I got to the point where I was like, what am I going to do now? I can't, I literally can't practice. I can't, I can't be just seeing one patient a week. Um, I approached a couple of other private hospitals to see if I could work there. Deaf ears, no one wants to know me. And, you know, there's a, like everything, there's a lot of centralization. So, you know, all the hospitals are owned by like four or five companies and they don't want me to work there. So being an orthopedic surgeon, you know, even though I only operate on 5% of my patients, the reality is if I haven't got an hospital and a, an operating theater to work out of, there's not much I can do. Um, and it's also the case now where I feel like, you know, the, the GMC, the licensing board is just watching everything I do. So just imagine you're driving down the highway and you've got four cop cars around you. Now, what I would say is you've got other people speeding and driving recklessly and <laughs> drink driving. And I'm talking about my doctor colleagues, you know, doing things unethically doing things, you know, against medical, you know, good medical practice, I would say. And, you know, they're being ignored. They're, they're actually, the police aren't doing anything. But if I step like, one mile an hour over the speed limit, you know, or do something, just minor thing, I get pulled over by the cops, I get taken to the jail cell, I get my fingerprints, I get released the next day, back in the road, four cop cars again. And, you know, after a while, it gets quite stressful. And you're like, do I actually even want to go on the highway? Do I even want to drive if this is what my life is going to be like? And that's the position where I am now, you know, where I can't actually operate at any hospital. I don't know what I can do. I know they just would love to have a go at me and make an Andrew Wakefield 2.0 out of me. If you, if you look at the doctors in the UK that have you know, spoken out on any issue, they get hauled over the coals. They get, you know, ridiculed. Their name is on the broadsheet or tabloid and you just need to look at people like sarah myhill jane donahan you know you you get destroyed your credibility so mm. here i am buddy <laughs> here i am i'm just i'm a little podcaster now what a so, weird turn of events yeah we'll come to your podcast in a moment because you, you've had some incredibly great guests but something likewise I, something that i've been trying to trying to figure out and i don't think i ever will so but go with me on this it's a bit of a rhetorical question but you know your story is not unique uh sorry i don't mean to no no you're right water on your battery right. but a lot of a lot of great doctors have had the same 
thing happening to them in the last few years. And what I'm trying to figure out is those people who are higher up in the, the, the medical fraternity, in the hospitals, like let's say your boss or whatever, what do you think is going through his mind when he, when he says these things to you? Do you think he genuinely thinks that you are being dangerous by mm. having this position? Or do you think that he's just taking orders? I think it's a combination of both. Listen, you know, I, as a kid, I used to grow up in the 80s thinking, how the hell did the Second World War happen? How did those Germans, because I met them, I met Germans. <laughs> They're nice people. And you know what? They even have a sense of fucking humor. I couldn't believe it. When I went and we had a school trip over, Germans had a sense of humor. Oh my God. Like they, they were actually cool. And I was like, how the fact did these guys become monsters? Like, I didn't understand it. Like, what the hell? And then, you know, that's where I discovered Nutella. It couldn't all be that bad. I mean, these guys were all right. But um, no, I think I understand how the Second World War, ha war happened. I think a lot of people genuinely believed what the authorities were telling them. They were made to feel scared, you know. And um, also, a lot of them were just following orders. They were just doing, they were just good, good citizens doing as they're told. And I think a lot of doctors fall into both of those camps where one, they either believe genuinely what the government's telling them, in which case I'm a dangerous person. Like I'm a granny killer. <laughs> I'm anti-science to them. Um, or they're, they're following orders. They know that their job and their paycheck rely on them doing as they're told and what they're expected to do. And I think it falls into both of those camps. None of which is good because the first camp um, actually doesn't have any critical thinking whatsoever. It's totally indoctrinated and brainwashed. And they think they're science and they're very arrogant about how they conduct themselves. There's a lot of professional hubris. And that's not good. That's not good. And we suffer from that as a medical profession. And I'll give you an example. You know, when I went to med school, not once did I get taught a history of medicine and our cock-ups. Now, you know, I don't know about you, but we learn from mistakes. But like my dad said, you know, the real smart person learns from other people's mistakes. So you would have thought in med school, they were, you know, one of the first lectures they would have said to us would be like, hey, guys, you know, in the last four or five hundred years, doctors have done some really fucked up shit. Like we, we've screwed things up big time, like stuck a, a needle up the nose into the brain and scrambled it around to treat headaches. Okay, uh, that's trepanning. We actually even chopped out bits of people's brains thinking it was a great operation and the guy won a Nobel Prize for it. Lobotomies, though, aren't so fashionable these days. Or, hey, you know what? We used to give mercury and arsenic, but um, yeah, it doesn't work. Or we'd bloodlet till literally people died like George Washington for a flu. You know, and the list is, goes on, by the way. It's a long list of total cock-ups. Kind of embarrassing. And... Um, and what that would have taught me as a medical student was, hmm, we've, we've done some really dumb shit in the past. Maybe we're still doing some dumb shit. And in the future, people will look back and go, oh, God, what were they up to? Maybe we should be a little bit humble and have a bit of humility and question everything all the freaking time. That's a lesson I think you should be teaching medical students. But instead, one of the first lectures I got at med school was, you're the top 1% of society. You're the smartest people ever. And you know what? You know, you deserve to be here. You're the cream of society. Literally, I had this lecture. And what does that teach you? That teaches you you're special. You're, you know, you've got, you're entitled. You can be arrogant. You're better than other people. And that's wrong. So I think, you know, there's a major problem with the medical establishment where we are too arrogant, too proud, and not questioning enough. And then unfortunately, the way the system is now designed, doctors come out indebted, enslaved, and you know they're at the mercy of these hospitals and the regulatory bodies because if they fall out of favor, like me, you're fracked. You know, I'll, I'm not going to lie. I've cried quite a bit last couple of months, literally on my wife's shoulder, sobbing like a baby in the middle of the night, thinking. What have I done? Like, you know, she asked me, if you knew this time last year, you know, our house, you know, we might have to sell. You can't provide to the <clears> kids <throat> the stress and problems you've created for me. Because she's a doctor. She gets funny looks from people. They know I'm, she's married to me. 
you know, would you still have done what you've done? You know, and you're like, wow, man, that's a heavy question. Um, so like the financial element is huge because you're terrified. Like, how are you going to provide for your family? And so when you know you're going to get investigated, suspended, struck off, I mean, what are these doctors going to do? What are people like me going to do? So you, you know, you, you, I, I don't blame people for choosing to turn a blind eye and not do the right thing. I can understand why they do that, but I think it's wrong. I think you should be brave yeah. and stand up. I, 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 that's my, because I think if enough of us said, no, this is wrong, then they can get away with it. The problem is one person pops their head up like me, you get decapitated. And then not just that, it's a warning. You know, what happened to Andrew Wakefield? What happened to all these other doctors I just mentioned? What's happened to me is a warning. I mean, it's very, it's very clear. If you dare to question and speak up, guess what? We're coming for you. And we're coming for you hard. So you know what? All you guys thinking of doing what Ahmed Malik is doing, think twice. Think three times. Mm -hmm. And all those uh, other doctors then say, okay, you know what? I'm just going to stay quiet. Yeah. So Lisa in the comments says, oh, what a waste of a much needed specialist. I'm trying to see an author in Australia for my daughter and the waiting yep. lists are forever due to all of this COVID nonsense getting, you know, uh, and so she just goes on. But I mean, the point is, is that they ha have shot themselves in the foot, haven't they? Uh, something I realized the other day, I was following some accounts on X because now it's no longer Twitter. It's what a terrible name, by the way. And, um, and I see that some doctors are saying, you know, how did we uh, become so hated? Well, this is the reason. Yeah, well, not just that. I mean, I think we deserve this. Everything needs to happen. You know, everything needs to happen for a reason. And we, we need the system needs to fail. Everything needs to fail because it's all rotten to the core. You know, this isn't a case of, oh, let's put some fresh paint on it and you know, plaster over the cracks, it's all gone pear-shaped, pits up, it's bad. I mean, it's the end of the civilization as far as I'm concerned. Every facet of society now is totally screwed up. You know, the culture is just, what, what made the West great is no longer there. And it's mm. sad because it breaks my heart. You know, my dad came over to this Scotland when he was 16 and worked in the shipyards and everything and was proud to be Scottish and proud that we were Scottish. But everything he told us, like as, as a kid, he said, look, this is a free country. Education is free and healthcare is free and the government's not corrupt and the media is free and holds the government to account. You can practice any religion you want. You can be whoever you want. I can't have that conversation with my kids now. I'm, I'm, my kids are the same age that I was when my dad told me that. My kids are like four, six and eight. I can't have that conversation with them. Is the media free? No. Is the, are our politicians incorruptible and good people you must be joking and you know everything our regulatory bodies are captured our judiciary is a joke the laws and ass you know everything you it's just it's bad but it's fine you know what? i'm not too bitter about it i'm actually i'm like i think we're living in really exciting times i think it's fascinating you know you know when i get out of my own personal misery and ego and i just stand back and look at the timeline of humanity i think Holy moly, this is a great time to be alive. <laughs> this, this is absolutely fascinating. And But it's everywhere, you know? I mean, like, I was just... I mean, like, the shit that's going on in South Africa, you know? Yeah. That that party, Julius, Julius Manello, whatever, I don't know what his name is. This far left, with the war on white people, and, you know, not, you know, not now to kill people. I mean, I don't know, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm it's correct. It up. He no, said something... He, no, not, yeah. not at this moment. But maybe yeah, we're not calling. We're not. We're not calling for the genocide of white people yet. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yet, yet, and it, you're just like, what a rag! Mm. Did you just say? <laughs> why is it you can say that and get away with it? It's like what? No, well, I can tell you why right you can now. say that. I can tell you why you can say that because you're black. If you're black, sorry to say, but you you're seen as an oppressed class by by many, uh, particularly here in South Africa, because of our history. Um, it just, it, it's just the way it is. But freedom of speech is freedom to say whatever you want and whatever you think mm. and the freedom to offend. There is no freedom to, uh, there's no right to not be offended, 
right? Yeah. So yeah. if yeah. I want to if I want to post Ava Bartlett talking about how shit life is in the occupied territories and how Israelis make their life hell for them, she should be allowed to say that. And if Israelis yes. Zionists yes. don't like what she says, they can come on my show and say yes. that. And I've actually yeah, but had But it's not about that, Ahmed. But it's, it's not, not about, about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. You should be allowed to say that. And in actual fact, oh, I'd really? rather people say things like that, right? So that I know what they're thinking. But it's why, why would you want to say we're not calling for the genocide of white people yet? Why would you want to say that? Why, why, would, that, why would that even come out of your mouth? So I've yeah. said it again and again and again. The biggest problem that we have is divisions, 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 right? And, correct, correct. And the thing is, people are trying to divide us. I don't know who these people are, right? You can call them whatever you mm. want. But... The, it's the same playbook, divide and rule. You know what? Mm. Just have each other at each other's throats, the different generations, men against women, men, you know, straight against, not, you know, not straight and the different genders and God, I can't keep up, mate. Um, you know, whites against blacks, Muslims against Christians. I mean, you name it, Zionists against um, non-Zionists. Just constantly have division and hatred so we're all fighting each other while we're all actually getting screwed. Left, right, and center. You know, I actually <laughs> none think of us. I, I I misunderstood your comment earlier when you when you spoke about the occupied territories. I actually thought you were referring to the hospitals <laughs> and how they've been <laughs> taken how they've been taken control of by by the uh, the oligarchical medical class. <laughs> no, well, I mean, well, the same. I mean, it's the same. I mean, no, but like, what does a private hospital have mm. any business with what I do in my personal life? And what I do on my Instagram account, yes, like seriously, exactly. what, see what what what's that? And you know, but that guest um, and listener who said, you know, what a waste of talent. Like, I'm not just saying this. I'm a fracking good surgeon. I mean, <laughs> I mean, my wife didn't marry me because of my good looks and my great hair. Which I'm bald, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> she fell in love with me when she was working with me. She fell in love with me, and she was like, she admired who I was. She liked my playlist. She liked all that kind of shit, and. um you know, I'm a good surgeon and I fell in love with her because she's a great surgeon. Mm. And um, can I just, sorry, can I just interrupt yeah. you and say, I love your accent. Your accent is so great that when you swear, it doesn't sound like you're swearing. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> well, so there's two elements to this. One, you've actually got a great accent and you've got great hair. So I'm kind of jealous. But two, um, <laughs> I actually only started talking like this when I went to a very nice secondary school when I was about 12 years old because I grew up in a Ivy, really Ivy rough <laughs> yeah I went I went to I, I went I grew up in a really rough part of Glasgow where they go I all right pal how's it going mate and um <laughs> it was it was and every second word is a swear word and you know you can take the lad out of Glasgow but you can't take Glasgow out of the lad so unfortunately <laughs> I still swear like a trooper um but I instead of saying f-u-c-k I say f-r-a-c-k Frack. Yes, and the reason and the reason why is that's from Battlestar Galactica. Do you remember Battlestar Galactica? I do, I do. <laughs> Love that. And anyway, so it's from there. Practice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I must just say, while we're on the topic of accents, uh, I think I prefer your accent to Alex's. Sorry, Alex. <laughs> it's that Aussie. It's that Aussie thing he's got going. But at least I'll tell you what, though. When when Aussies swear, <laughs> it sounds hardcore. <laughs> 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 I, I love I love the South African accent. You know, I had Nick Hudson, your mate, on my podcast, yeah. and it's just so dry and so it's just cool, man. It's very cool. Yeah, we sound like a we sound like some sort of combination of German and British and and uh, I don't know uh, Australian. Some people have asked me if I'm Australian. <laughs> yeah, it's that Antipodean thing, isn't it? But you've got I mean, I, it's it's amazing. It's like um. You, you said something off air when, when you were talking about how the power cuts and the listeners mm. don't know, but there was a power cut and you froze. It was perfect. You, you did this look. And <laughs> Alex and I were laughing. You could have frozen at a better time. Like, let's get the ping pong ball out and throw it in your mouth. But anyway, but, um, so you, you're, but just before tell me, you went, but yeah, just before that sorry, power cut happened, you said, this is Africa. And I loved it. That's like Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, DiCaprio that line. This is Africa. Can you just say that one oh, more time? In, in Blood Diamond. In Blood Diamond, yeah, this just, is Africa. Yeah. That, they, so, there you go. By the way, that's a great movie. So I don't know if you've watched it recently. Alex, have you seen Blood Diamond, by the way? No. I watched, it, I watched, about, I watched yeah. about four or five years ago. 
Class. No, it's a great movie. Alex, go and watch, when you get a chance, go and watch uh, Blood Diamond. Uh, it's, it's, it's obviously a little bit sensationalized, but I can tell you what, it's actually not a bad representation of what's going on here in Africa. And I know, I know this because there were a lot of South Africans involved with the movie and trying to get Leo's accent right and all that. And I get it. It's Hollywood, blah, blah, blah. Yes, yes, yes. But there are some movies that, that have elements of truth. And I've been discovering this more and more, haven't you? That Hollywood actually can tell us things about reality. Oh, no, dude, they warn us. They tell us in advance all the freaking time. Mm. Um, I watched mm. this movie recently, I forgot the name on Netflix, and it was about how the internet goes, it's this hacking event, and no one's got electricity, and everything shuts down, and there's chaos. I wouldn't be surprised if that something happens this year. <laughs> I mean, I was talking to Ryan Christian on on his podcast, and he was speaking to Whitney Webb about this, like 9-11 2.0, it's going to be some weird mm. electronic hacking and then they're going to say they need a digital currency or I don't know what some bullshit I don't know I mean it might happen but I always feel like they warn us they tell us hey they do they do and also they give us a very good indication of where the world is at I do I do not recommend at all the Barbie movie I made the greatest mistake of my life by watching it I actually thought it was going to be funny I thought it was going to be a breaking the fourth wall kind of thing it was absolutely not but it gave me an indication of where the world is heading. And for me, mm -hmm. that's quite scary. I'll tell you one I, I saw recently that I really liked. Um, there's a TV series on Amazon, I think. It's called um, The English. Emily Blunt's in it. And it was oh, she's good. very, she's an amazing actress. That was mm. very moving and very powerful. And I loved it. And it was just, there was no, you know how like you, too often I get put off by TV programs that are just so woke. Like, you know, there's, you know, you know, ethnic minorities in the main role. There's no one, no white guy on the scene. It's, you know, mixed yeah. relationships. It's gender, whatever, bending this and that. And I'm like, just, you know what? And it's funny. Look, I grew up in Glasgow and the only brown kid in, in school. And I wanted <laughs> someone to be called Ahmed Malik. I, you'd, you'd go to the zoo or the museum. <laughs> And you know how they have key rings and you know how they have like badges and everything. And it'd be like David and Anne and Lucy and me and people begin. There'd be no fucking Ahmed Malik, right? There'd be no Ahmed, right? <laughs> and so at, at that time growing up, I just wanted to be fucking like Billy, Andy, David, like everybody else, right? Yeah, not, now, not Ahmed. I, I, yeah, anyone but like Ahmed, like, you know. But now I actually feel sorry for a straight white kid. I mean, because you're screwed. You know, you're at the bottom of the pecking order. And what I'm trying you know to say so is like- funny though? No, yeah. you know what's funny though? Look at, just look at the two of us, right? I think I'm browner than you. <laughs> <laughs> That's because there's no Alex, sun Alex here. <laughs> there, there's no sun here. That's the problem. I'm like, you got this kid of the empire at the Indian subcontinent and he grew up in Scotland, now lives in England and there's no fucking sun. <laughs> But yeah, I, I mean, if I go in the sun, I do, I do tan. I mean, that's another weird thing. Would you, have you ever heard of someone from the Indian subcontinent tanning? I mean, it's, you'd never think that happens, but it does. And like, it's really funny. I, I remember the first time I ever got sunburned. I was out in America and we were hiking in, in the Grand Canyon. And, 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 you know, someone was saying to me, oh, you need to put some sunscreen on. And I was like, I'm in Malik. I'm, oh, tan. It's in my jeans. Several hours later, while my nose was peeling off and it was crusty and infected, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I slapped this stuff on and my shoulders were all red. And, oh, yeah, I realized, yeah, I, c I can get burnt. But, yeah, we can well, tan. I need, to, I need to get in the sun just, more. Just look at Alex. I mean, I think if Alex just stands under a light bulb, he burns. Yeah, he's a bit pilly wally, <laughs> isn't he? I, d I don't know if, you're, if your listeners can see him, but he is one pilly wally no. lad. No, they, that, they, they, there's a problem there, Alex. I think you need to <laughs> maybe just go to a sunbed. <laughs> yeah, but the problem as well is in Australia and on all the other you know, countries, they go, oh, the sun is bad. Stay out the sun, slap up, put on the cream. It's all BS. Do you know what? Yeah, by the way, just, I mean, jokes aside, um, just on that, what are your views on things like sunbeds and sunblock? I no longer put on any sunblock or sun, sun uh, what do you call it, sunscreen. I don't put on that stuff anymore. And yeah, I, I don't even wear sunglasses anymore. Great. So I don't do sunglasses. I don't do any of that crap. Um, it's a lot of it is toxic, not just for mm. us, but it's toxic for the environment. 
and it's not it's not it's not good these chemicals i mean a rule of thumb jeremy i would say is like put on your skin what you'd be prepared to eat because your body's going to absorb it your skin is this massive organ and if you think it's just a barrier it's not it actually will absorb whatever you're putting on your skin and you just have to think about you really want this inside you and um, Two, what I would say is, um, you know, just stop eating seed oils, anything with seed oils. Everybody is eating seed oils. Probably 90% of your listeners don't realize, like an average jar of mayonnaise is 80% seed oil, which is just this artificial lubricant that we're just ingesting. It's not good for you. Um, so that also affects how you burn. But also, you know, expose yourself to the sun slowly and gradually. And guess what? You'll be fine. You know, obviously, if I went suddenly on holiday, somewhere really hot, I, I would get a hat. I would, you know, be careful how much sun exposure I get because I will get burnt straight away. But if you are living somewhere, just slowly build up your tolerance to being outdoors and, and then you'll naturally just start, you know, getting a bit darker or a bit more resilient to the sun. And the thing is we need sun. Sun is life. Sun is the energy source. And, you know, I spoke to Jack Cruz on my podcast and it was beautiful what he was saying. He was like, we are beings of light, magnet and water. I had this other guy on my podcast um, and it was about structured water and how the water inside us, for example, isn't just normal water and it gets its energy from electrons and we, we create photons within us. And so we need sunlight. So we need to be outdoors, getting sun, even when it's cloudy like today. I went outside barefoot and, you know, did some grounding and exposed myself to sunlight. And my poor eight-year-old no um, lady, neighbor, you know, got to see my hairy back while I'm standing on the grass outside. But I don't give a fuck. You know, I, I need, and if you think my face is pale, Jesus, my, honestly, my body's like Alex there. It's fucking disgusting. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> it's fucking disgusting. Just imagine a pale, <laughs> pale white body with hair on it. But, you know, it's just awful. A rug, I've got a rug on my back. It's not nice. It's not nice. But anyway, basically, you know, uh, red light therapy is good. Some people get these red light um, sunbeds. I, I think there's an element. There is definitely some healing involved in that. There's a certain ray in, in natural light, which is good for our bodies. Mm. So, yeah. We're talking I about agree with you. But I, I, transplants? I think, Should we talk about that now? <laughs> I think let's just quickly go to a break so that Alex, <laughs> so that Alex can recover from that roasting. <laughs> <laughs> my, my name is Jim. This is TNT. From weather and traffic reports to news of political developments. We turn to journalists for the information we need to live our daily lives. Journalists around the world provide the news that is essential for democracy, for personal freedom, and for safety and stability. Yet their ability to report freely and safely is under attack like never before. So many journalists are paying with their lives. They face exponential risks and they've already paid a heavy toll. Death threats, online harassment, and physical attacks are becoming a daily experience of journalists in all countries. We just want people to be safe, to be able to get our readers the information that they need to make informed decisions. They checked my phone and realized that it was Pegasus. I feel myself like I'm naked in the street. These charges were politicized from the start. Facts win. Truth wins. Justice wins. C'est énorme pour moi d'être là, d'être libre. Surtout que je m'y attendais pas du tout. Stand with the free press. Stand with journalists whose reporting won't be silenced. Press freedom is your freedom. Last week, Brandon met a girl on a dating app. One day after work, he finally found the courage to ask her out. No answer. He started to panic. Was he being too pushy? Maybe it was too... Hey, sorry I didn't respond. I was driving. I would love to go on a date. How does tonight sound? Brandon tried to play it cool, but inside he knew. A girl so smart, so responsible. She must be a keeper. 
Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, we are back from that roasting of Alex. Man, <laughs> we were talking about sunscreen and uh, sunglasses. I actually had that um, conversation with uh, uh, Stephanie Seneff a couple of years ago, and she just, by the by, threw it into a conversation that she was having with me about COVID. And she just said, look, uh, I don't really wear sunglasses anymore, and I don't think sunblock's a good idea. And it never struck me until that moment. And just a couple of months ago, my wife and I uh, went into the Kalahari Desert. Uh, so for those who don't know, it's a big, huge desert that's just above South Africa, but between Botswana and Namibia. If you look on a map, you'll see it. It's a very, 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 very big part of the of the continent. And so we decided to go camping there. And um, and that's where you really test yourself, you know, um, Ahmed. So I, I wore no sunblock in the desert and it was hot. Wow. And I didn't wear sunglasses. Uh, okay, I did wear sunglasses, but very rarely. And I'll tell you why. I think I can. I think I can make an argument for this. Being in the desert is not natural. There's a mm. lot of white sand, and there's a lot of reflection. And after a while, it really sounds does really you. racist. Sounds racist. <laughs> like sand. <laughs> Fucking hell. Stay away from there. There was, there was no. There was no black sand. <laughs> Dude, I I think we need to really have a conversation in that desert. Like seriously. Yeah. They got problem. They got problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's very impressive. So what I was talking about before was I think the pendulum's gone too far from one extreme to another. You know, it's mm. just madness and this whole polarization. You know, I'm, I just think I keep telling people I'm only on one team, Team Humanity. You know, yeah. I actually got flack from both sides. Like, oh, you're not you're not defending Palestine by properly attacking all the Jews and Israelis out there, and then the Israelis and Jews and Zionists are like. How dare you platform, you know, people who are sympathetic towards Palestine? <laughs> I'm like, uh, maybe I'm trying to call out the bullshit and say we yeah. shouldn't have sides. There's only team humanity. And maybe both sides are being played. And it's the same with black, white, straight, whatever. Just, you mm. know what? I just think, you know, I've traveled a lot around the world. I'm quite lucky. Um, I've met so many people from so many walks of life. And mm. most people are good people. You know, left alone. Exactly right. Exactly right, Ahmed. Yeah, so that right there is, that's the gold mine of this conversation. I mean, if I really, really hated black people as a white South African, I would have left the country years ago. The reality is that race relations, just on this, race relations in South Africa, I think are by and large good. The media will have you think that we are just, we are just stabbing each other and shooting each other with guns and we are just fighting day and night. It's not like that at all. It's, it's what the authorities, the oligarchs, the ruling classes want. They want that division. But if you leave people alone, people get on. Yeah. The only people I don't like are the predator parasites. Mm. And they come in all shapes and sizes. And to think yeah. that one group of people has, you know, reserves the right to be the bad people is wrong. You know what? They're in every, every group of people. You know, they're racist, black racists. They're yeah. black Indian, uh, racist Indians, racist Pakistanis. There's racist Arabs. There's racist white people. There's narcissists in every group. Mm. There's psychopaths in every group. No one group is privileged to have all the bad people. They're everywhere. And actually, there's more good people than bad. But yes, what we need, exactly. what we really need is some way to mitigate we need a psychopath mitigation strategy like how do we get all these psychopaths and put them in one place where they can fuck over each other and leave the rest of us alone so i'm very much like very i don't want government i don't want to be governed i'm mm. you know i'm almost i think i'm an anarchist now i used to think i'm a libertarian now i'm, now I'm even further down the road yeah, i just want to be left not alone a libertarian. i just want to be left alone leave me yeah. alone you know first do no harm and take two, take no shit. And you know, I actually look, I actually identify as a trans redneck. I'd love a big pickup truck. I'd love, a, I'd love guns. That I've already is fantastic. Got my, I've got my baseball a, cap. I want lots of guns. A trans redneck. Yeah, yeah, man. Definitely. That reminds I, me. That reminds me of that show, that series uh, a few years ago. Uh, I can't remember the name now. That guy who uh, uh, had all the tigers. What was his name now? Um, He's in oh, jail yeah. now, uh, but he no, was. I, uh, I know which one. Alex, guy who you're was who, who's the guy I'm talking about? Uh, the the 
the Tiger, the Tiger King. King. What was his name? What was his name? Um, that was one of the best series I think I've ever watched. The guy is like a libertarian, redneck, gay uh, owner of tigers who who loves shooting guns. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was just incredible. <laughs> Amazing. Um, what was his name now? I've completely, I've gone, I've gone blank. Well, while you're and, thinking about that, can and he had I a mullet. Do... And, he had, and he had a mullet. Yes, oh, go on. Oh, dude. All right. Well, now you talked about mullet, you got me distracted. I have to say, I went and spent six months in Australia doing a fellowship. It was amazing. And one of the, the best moments was when I went up to Cairns. Alex will know where Cairns is. Cairns up there, right? It's the freaking mullet capital of the world. I couldn't believe it. It's like 2010. Every dude's got a mullet. And I'm just like, whoa, it's like time warp. I've gone back 20, <laughs> what, 30 years. Cairns? Did you say Cairns? Cairns, Cairns, C-A-I-R-N-S. Oh, where, where is that on the map now? That's north, isn't it? North That's of Gold, northern... Gold Coast, south of Port Douglas. Oh man, it was magical. I was like, this is amazing. This is insane. Anyway, moving back. I, well, you know what I'm really guilty of? Like I've only been invited to a handful of shows. I never plug my show. Can I quickly do a plug-in for my show right now? Is that okay? hundred percent. Oh, by the way, his name's Joe Exotic. There we go. There we go. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Yes. Plug your show. So um, everyone listening, you know, when you're not listening to Jeremy, Jerem Warfare, J, not G, please um, check out my podcast, Doc Malik, D-O-C-M-A-L-I-K.com. I mean, if you want to call it Malik, I mean, by all means, if that makes you happy. But, you know, check out my, my website, all the links to my podcast, Spotify, Apple, Rumble, Substack, or go to my Substack, subscribe, toss me a few pennies. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks. You've okay? had that... the most incredible guests. Let's talk about your podcast for a moment. I mean, are you enjoying it? I'm really enjoying it. Your guests are just top level. Dude, I, I love it. I love it so much. Like, you know, the funny thing is when I was a, when, God, it feels weird saying when I was a surgeon. I haven't said that yet at loud. When I was a surgeon, it was funny over the last five, six years, I wasn't practicing like a typical surgeon. You know, most of my peers operate on 50% plus. So if you walk in, you're gonna get a scope in your knee, an injection, a, mm. an operation. And I was operating only on 5%. And it's because when I turned my health around um, and reversed all my chronic illnesses, I realized that so much of it is lifestyle and psychological and all that kind of stuff, mm. you know? And what I was talking about with Alex about sleep and everything, really important, okay? So when I have my patients come in, I, I don't just talk about their feet or whatever. I would say, what's your sleep like? Do you have any stress? And people would open up. They would start telling me so much information. But I also gave them time. Like my consultations were at least half an hour, sometimes an hour. Whereas my colleagues were like five, 10 minutes. Five, 10 minutes. Oh yeah, you got a problem here. You know, we need to do an operation. Mm. And the patient would be like, okay, and schedule it and off to go. Whereas I would be like, breaking it down. And I would go home and tell my wife all these fascinating stories. And she would be like, how did you do this? Like, how'd you get people to tell you these intimate things? And, and why do all your patients cry? Like you keep telling me they're all crying and they you know, but it's like a cathartic release. You know, it's not like a, I made them cry, big, bad Ahmed roasted them. No, it's like, um, you know, I get them to open up. And, and I think that's put me in good stead. Cause when I did my podcast, you know, I know how to listen and I know how to get the information out of people. And I, I love them and I love people. You know, I really love people. I love humanity. And I think everyone is interested. And you know, when anyone says there's too many people in the planet, oh, you know, all the problems in this world would go away if there was less people, I get really fucking angry, right? That's a, I'm not anti-human. I don't like anti-human talk. I think it's ungodly. I think it's really horrible. I think there's plenty of room in this planet for all the people. I love people. I think everyone's got an interesting story. Even Pilly Pally, Alex there. You know, I'm sure he's got really interesting stories. He's got an interesting life. All of us, we've all got some story. And, you know, meeting my guests and talking to them, I love it. And I don't want to give a platform to just people who are well-known and famous. You know, that's nice. They've got interesting things to say. I, I actually want to give platform to anybody, anyone who has an interesting story to tell. So, you know, one of the podcast episodes I'm going to be recording in the next couple of weeks is um, all my supporters have been emailing me their stories, like out in Australia and America and Canada and the UK. And I've actually contacted them saying, I want you to come on my podcast for 15, 20 minutes and we'll do a couple of episodes where it's like six or seven of my listeners telling their stories because I think they're fascinating. 
So it's not just about, oh, here's a guest with a massive following and it'll, it'll be great for me and it'll give my, my show a boost. I don't give a frack about that. I'm more interested about who's really interesting, um, which is why I invited you, Buster. I'd love to have you on my show. Yeah, so, deal. You know, yeah, I love it. I love it. And I think one of the reasons why it's quite successful, and I don't say that lightly because I do suffer from imposter syndrome, is but, but when you're getting you know, literally 20 emails or messages a day saying, I love your show, you kind of have to start believing it. Um, I think the reason why it's successful is because I love what I do. And I'm having people who are just really good human beings come on the show. And something like exactly 70% right. of them, something like 70% of them stay in touch with me and are messaging me and WhatsApping me. And hey, Hamid, guess what? I was thinking of you, my brother from another mother. I just started checking on you. And, you know, I did the podcast two, three months ago and they're still messaging me. You know, I had Kimberly Biss on my podcast a month ago and she just sent me a picture mm. of her holding a sloth and said, oh, I thought this would make you smile. You know, I, I love the fact that my guests have now become my friends and this, my, I'm, I'm create, creating a community. And, you know, at one point I felt very alone, especially during COVID and lockdown. Now I don't. I've got these people all in my life and I love them. And most of them I've never met on my listeners and supporters, but they're my family. I freaking love it. And it's funny, you know, Jeremy, this is going to sound really weird. If someone said to me tomorrow, do you know what? wipe the slate clean tomorrow you could go back to work and do all the ankle fracture fixations you like but you'll never be able to podcast again or you can podcast away and don't worry in a year you'll make enough money you have enough subscribers but you won't be able to operate ever again which one would you choose i think i'd now choose the podcasting you know i i was a great surgeon i've i i, I mastered that this is fun and I feel like I'm adding significant value and I'm informing and educating and helping a lot of people. So, yeah, I think that's what I kind of get on. the same. Yeah, I get the same feeling. I mean, I can relate to that. Uh, I mean, I am by trade a cartoonist of almost two decades and I have wow. zero experience in, in talk shows. You know, I've got no experience in this sort of thing. And, um, you know, it's probably why I'm so unprofessional. And that's why I need people like Alex <laughs> to make sure that, that, that things kind of go, you know, smoothly. But um, it is very true what you're saying, though, that there is this weird new paradigm that's arisen from the COVID era. We've made new contacts, new friends. Uh, you and I are talking, we chat on WhatsApp. I wouldn't have known Nick Hudson, who I know is a mutual friend, but he's a good friend of mine. He lives just a few minutes away from me. And Does he live in a massive mansion? I don't know if I don't know if I'm allowed to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine I he's got like some James Bond lair with an infinity pool and a cat. Yes, and he, he does. It. He does. He does have a, like a bond, a James Bond lair kind of thing. It's, but he's got an incredible view from his house. There's no no doubt about it. But look, I also love where the world has gone. I I'm always looking for silver linings, and I think that this whole COVID thing. Yes, it was tragic in many ways, but it was also a wonderful opportunity, don't you think? 100%. There's a saying in surgery, when there's pus about, let it out. Yeah. Guess what? COVID did that. Alex, make a short of that. Okay, so basically, you know, when there's pus about, you need to let it out. And the pus is coming out now. I mean, it's pouring mm. out. I suppose maybe we need to stop it a little bit, but let the shit out. Let everyone see crap for what it is because you know people are waking up now and and that's another thing i keep getting the feedback that you know what this whole thing was actually great i've turned my health around i used to take things for granted i used to eat crap i used to just believe what the doctor said i used to just take the vaccines now i don't now i question everything and i think that's mm. amazing that's amazing and you know what don't fear what's going to happen, you know, and I, and I say this not lightly, you know, cause look, I've just had my career taken away from me, my income, my livelihood. And it's not like I'm in a position where I can afford to lose it all. I have three young kids. I have a mortgage. And while the future is very uncertain, I'm embracing it. I'm enjoying the ride. You know what? Frack it. Let's go for it. Let's just have fun, you know? And we need to be all of us like that. Just be brave and let go of the shit and be critical in, in, in thinking about everything in our life and try and find opportunities where we can enhance and improve what, what, what's going on in our family, in our home, in our job. You know, if you're doing a job and it's a shitty job and you're not happy with it, 
leave. Nick Hudson said to me, you know, if you're worried about being canceled, just cancel yourself. Great advice. Yeah, so all these things, you know, I think that's what everybody needs to do now. Embrace mm. the change. Okay, time is running out. So let's quickly, well, we've done this, but let's do it one more time. Let's, uh, let's do some promo. How can I follow you? Um, so I'm on Twitter X as at Doc Ahmad Malik, A-H-M-A-D, Malik, M-A-L-I-K. Um, and my website, www.docmalik.com. And it'll take you everywhere, like the podcast. It'll tell you where you can subscribe on my Substack, how you can support me, buy me a coffee, whatever, whatever. I don't have a mansion. I don't have that infinity pool. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an amateur grifter. I'm really shit at my job. So please enhance my grifting credentials by, you know, subscribing and paying me shitloads of money so that at least, you know, when people call me a grifter, I can say, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm a good one. Um, Because right now I'm not. (laughs) Dude, that is like, that is a great roast of yourself. (laughs) 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 Ahmed Malik, (laughs) thank you for joining me in the trenches. Pleasure, buddy. Take care. Before you go, quickly, need to ask you, uh, very quickly, what are your thoughts on on Elon? What do you make of him? Ah, man, he's a funny one, isn't he? He is a funny fracker. You know, I want to hate him. But he's proper entertainment value. And um, mm. what's with the cheeks? I mean, he's always, he, I always feel like he's got walnuts in both his cheeks. You know, he's just like <laughs> hamster. No, I think he comes out with some great shit. And mm. if he's a controlled opposition, he's the perfect one. Because 99% of what he says, you're like, bang on the money. And then yeah. he's going to lead you down the merry path and screw you over. I mean, I mean, you'd be pretty shit controlled opposition if you could spot you from a mile away, like, ah, that guy's out there to get me. Well, I mean, obviously you're not going to go for it. The thing is, I- I'm a bit wary of him. I think he says great things, um, but I don't like this whole neural net thing and, you know, yeah, transhumanism. Yeah. And if it's really about free speech and everything, and like, he's a businessman. I mean, people say he's really yeah. smart, rocket scientist. No, he's not. He's got clever people around doing that. He's a businessman. Mm. He's savvy. Where did he get his money from? Where did he get his support from? You know, that, those are questions. Because I'll tell you one thing. Really good, good people don't get the platform, don't get the airtime. They get shut down. They get, the system comes after them. They get sued. They get sued for defamation. They get destroyed. So I hope he's a good guy, I'm but a- I don't know. I don't know. All right. Got to go, man. Got to go. Thanks for chatting. It's been great. I'll have you back. Um, anyway, thank you to Alex and Joel also. And uh, don't forget to email me, germwarfare at tntradio.live. The reason why my background looks different is just because I'm away until the middle of Jan. I'll be back in my normal studio. I'll catch you tomorrow. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. Mm-hmm.